ladies and gentlemen, yes, this is your favorite show, Sports Unfolded, with your favorite host, Eric and Ron. Boom, here we are again, baby. Episode 28 of Season 2, Sports Unfolded. I am your host, Eric. My main man right over there, Ron, how are you? I'm doing okay. Um, just nothing ceases to amaze me in the world of sports anymore. Sport, yes, yes. We've got a ton to unfold tonight. I apologize ahead of time. I am a little under the weather, so I'll try to get through this the best I can. And I appreciate your patience as well. We're going to start off with our leadoff story, and that's... Uh, with the Utah Jazz, <clears throat> who have begun to look for trade options for uh, star Donovan Mitchell, what do you think the most reasonable compensation would be for the star guard? Uh, at this point, I don't even know. Like, like we don't even know who's really even available, who they can even trade with, because it's just getting out of hand in what these teams are asking for one player. Like, I thought four picks for Gobert was way too much. Way too much. You know, maybe two picks. And even that is, is you know, extreme. And personally, I don't think Donovan Mitchell is worth four himself. Caliber that Mitchell is, if, if you got four for Gobert, um, the only guard in NBA since Allen Iverson averaged 20-plus points per game in his first five seasons. So you think about what Iverson was. You got the same thing coming from Mitchell. The thing I'm looking at here is the New York Knicks need to make a splash. They really need to get in, in, involved in this and be relevant in the NBA. They have the assets. They've got five first-round picks in the next two years, two more in 2025. They've got some young players they may be able to maneuver with Quigley, uh, quickly and Toppin. I would try to keep Barrett and Randall because then you get yourself a solid three. And if I had to throw one in, I'd probably give him Randall before I'd give him Barrett. But to me, the New York Knicks make the most sense here. It gives you a star player that honestly would bring fans to Madison Square Garden. I mean, yeah, but again, you you can't be sure what they're going to have to give up going the other way. And then if, you know, if you're giving up too many of those assets, then it's all pointless. And then you're giving up your you're mortgaging your future for one guy, like yeah, literally how many one times guy. Does a draft pick actually work out though. Like, how many times do you see a draft pick change a, a franchise to the point? I mean, how long has New York been irrelevant? Well, that's because of terrible ownership. To be honest with you, that doesn't help exactly. So you get an opportunity to get yourself a Donovan Mitchell who's established 20-plus points per game. He averages 23.9, 4.2 rebounds, 4.5 assists per game. Yeah, but it doesn't mean that you're going to win. Like, they had they had somebody else in there that was very talented and carried the franchise and and scored, you know, more points than anybody in the league pretty much in his time playing. And it did what? It did what? Nothing. Nothing. 
just, so where else, know, would you, where else would you think he could go? I, I mean, oh, I'm not. I'm not saying he's going to go anywhere else. I think he's going to go to the New York Knicks. But I'm just saying it's not going to change anything in New York because the culture there just stinks, and nothing is going to change until ownership changes. Think about this too, Danny Ainge, and what he's what he's doing or trying to do in Utah. Very similar to what he did in Boston. The thing that that the New York Knicks remind me of is the Washington football team. The Commanders. You yeah. can say it. It's okay. No, I, I have no desire to say Commanders. <laughs> Look, it just reminds me of them. It is just a crappy franchise with overpaid players, and they never win anything because the, the, the franchise is run terribly. And it is no different in New York with the Knicks. It's no different. Yeah, Dolan uh, has proven that he can't really facilitate a, a winning team. But I, I think you've got to start to look at getting established players versus trying to get these free agents that had one good year. And we saw it in the NBA so far in this offseason. How many guys are getting paid for one solid year? The, the Knicks just did it again with Brunson. Yeah. <clears throat> It was his first solid year, and I wouldn't even say it was a superstar year. And they gave him, you know, I mean, what, 20 million, 20 plus million a year. Mm. You, you get a guy that's established. To me, Mitchell at least gives you some legitimacy to, to maybe contend. Look, I don't doubt that he's a good player. I don't doubt that. Like, I think he's probably one of the better guards in the league. But at, at what point do you bring in somebody? And, you know, you keep bending what you want to do as a franchise just to put people in the seats because of a name. You know, look, I'm sorry. Just, you know, we've seen it quite a lot. And Minnesota took a little while for them to figure things out. You know, it probably took them two decades to figure it out. But. You know, at least now they've got the right direction going. And they didn't bring in a guy until they were ready to bring somebody in. And that's that's the thing that you have to do in the NBA. I think you know, though, and you understand. Look, when you're in these major markets, think about what the Rams did last year. They they basically sold out to, to win a Super Bowl because they're in L.A. They're in a top yeah. market. They need to do that. New York has to do the same thing at some point. And that's where I think this may be the move that could at least get them to the playoffs more consistently. Because right now what they're doing isn't working. They're a 500 they, they haven't done they're, anything they're, right. They're fast. When was the last time they even won a championship? 70s? Right? Mid-70s? And again, you're thinking about... Yeah. So you're thinking about where that franchise has been, what they need to do. If I'm, if I'm the Knicks ownership right now, I'm making this move and I'm giving up five draft picks for him. I'm okay with that. Like when you really think about like the Knicks have been one of the worst teams in history of the NBA, because you know, the eighties they had Ewing. Yeah, that was, that was good, but they could never win anything. Yeah. Eighties. Okay. Then, the 90s came around and they got worse. Then the 2000s came around and it got even worse. 
and now here we are. And they're just basically the laughing stock of the NBA, pretty much. But I would say this too. Do you not feel like the NBA, it seems like it's harder to build a team and get them quickly to, to, to rebuild than it is in other sports? See, again, I go back to the problem with the NBA. And that is the players are dictating where the teams that win are going to be. And, you know, when you have three or four stars that want to build their own team, you end up with teams like the Lakers, the Brooklyn Nets. You know, you see the trend that's happening. They're building these teams and they're not winning. Yeah, you know, at least when at least when the GMs were really building the teams, at least they were doing it right. They weren't letting the players influence, you know, who goes where. Now it's just a free for all, you know, and it's it's who wants to play with who and it doesn't even matter. I'm just quite jazz fans. Like you're literally your team's gonna be one of the basement teams. Yeah, and they're like, never going to come out of it either because you're have like a team like nine, that is going to fix in the next couple of years. So yeah, but a team like that <coughs> will never be able to get the fans back in the seats to to warrant enough salary. Yeah, yeah. and that's where we are with Orlando. That's where we are with several other franchises. Yeah, Sacramento. They, How many years Sacramento? The Wizards. Yeah, they, they can't keep their players. They can't do it. Or you get the opposite, like the Wizards, who end up signing Beal for this huge contract and now can't afford to get anybody else. So you got one good player that isn't going to win you anything, and, and you you stink for the next uh, five years. Yeah. Makes sense. <clears throat> Let's talk some NFL, my friend, and your 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 favorite. I know this was your guy, and how disappointed you were about Nikhil Harry being traded to the Chicago Bears. So, I guess the biggest question I would ask you is, what went wrong in New England with this Nikhil Harry situation? Um, couldn't follow directions. <laughs> <laughs> like what went wrong? But he, he's he, so overpowering; he's taking over the whole screen. He oils his hands so they're all buttery and slippy, slippery. You know, I I don't know what went wrong. You know, lack of talent. So I started to do this. I broke it down for you. And I, I, I wondered for me, what, what realistically? Yes. For you, Ron, because I do everything I do for you. Oh, okay. Okay. 2019 is first. So you're year. now Brian Adams. Yeah. Everything I do, I do it for you. Yes. I like that. Yes. Very good. Very good. <laughs> And I've got a little rasp going right now, so yes, it kind of works. So it sounds like <laughs> it kind of works. Yes, 2019. He played in seven games, so we know injuries. Probably the number one factor right off the bat. Twelve receptions, two touchdowns. Is it injuries, or was he just not dressed? Well, I'm just. Look, <laughs> 2020. He played in 14 games. Was his best year. 33 receptions, 309 yards, two touchdowns. Last season, we know what Mac was able to do. With all these receivers, somehow still couldn't get on the same page. Twelve catch, twelve games he played in, twelve receptions, no touchdowns. I know what the problem is. What's the problem? He doesn't have Cam Newton throwing him the ball. It, it, it then, yes, it seemed like he did much better with Cam, which is kind of ironic because Cam couldn't throw the ball. <laughs> Maybe that's why he Maybe. couldn't throw the ball. So he was always in the wrong spot, and the ball was thrown to the wrong spot. So yes. that makes sense. Yes. 
Yeah, it does. I will say, in all seriousness, here's the biggest <laughs> problem that Nikhil Harry had. He lost trust with his quarterbacks. So for his career, 55.3% catch percentage. So 55% of the time, the ball's thrown to him, he caught it. Just in comparison, last year, Kendrick Bourne, 78.6%. Jacoby Myers, 65.9%. If you're going to throw somebody the ball, you'd want them to be in that top 65 70%. The quarterback wasn't looking at him because they didn't feel confident enough he was going to catch the ball. You're almost half the time dropping it or causing a turnover because, you know what I mean, it, it hit his hands. He lost, They lost confidence in him as a quarterback. And Cam Newton didn't care if he turned the ball over, so he kept throwing to him. So, I mean, that's a big – will he be successful in Chicago? Yeah. Be nice, Ron. Be nice. I know. <laughs> no. I, I could see it in your head, ready to go. You were going to say something. Uh, it's like, come on. <coughs> you know, look, he was overdrafted for what? Without a doubt, yes. Definitely wasn't a first-round draft pick. You know, I, look, he's just not good. He's just not good. He has, you know, he has the size you want. He has yeah. the speed you want. He has, you know, the ability to get open, albeit might not be the right route you're running. But, <laughs> you know, but it doesn't mean that you're going to make catches and be a consistent receiver in this league. And unfortunately, he probably should have practice on special teams because then he'd have a job. Yeah, and right. he's going to get cut probably by the season opener. Yeah. So if you couldn't succeed with Mac Jones, you're looking at Justin Fields now. I, I mean, and I'm not knocking Justin Fields, but you're talking about a pure passer versus somebody who's more of a multi-talented quarterback where he's going to do a little bit more. I also question the fact of maybe wide receiver wouldn't be the position for him. He's got a frame to be a tight end. And he can block. We know that was the one thing New England used him for and, and seemed to be effective with was his blocking ability. Maybe for him, it's time to say, hey, I might not be the a, a good fit for a wide receiver in the NFL. But if I want to prolong my career, maybe I move over to like a tight end like that hybrid tight end position and try doing it that way. Because otherwise I don't see him to your point, making it past the season. Cause I can't see him putting up better numbers with Justin Fields throwing him the football. Yeah. <clears throat> what about Rob Gronkowski? Let's talk a little Rob Gronkowski who's announced his retirement. My friend yes. again, will he return to the NFL again? Or was this it? Is this the final? I think that was it. I think that was I it. I agree with you. I think I think because look, I know he probably missed the game the first time, and he's like, you know what? I'll come back one more, one more trip, you know, to the Super Bowl. Blah yeah. blah blah. Something um, different, not New England. Yeah, makes sense. You know, I'll come back one more time and do it again, and see how it goes. And then, you know, last season he had some injuries again, and I just don't – I don't see Rob Gronkowski wanting to deal with injuries anymore. Maybe not. I'm going to ask you this one question, though. What if Tom Brady goes to Miami next season? Rob Gronkowski lives in Miami currently. 
would that be enough to entice him to come back for one more season? So this may not be it. There's that no, speculation I don't think about Tom going to Miami. I don't think he comes back. I don't think. So let me read off some numbers for you. They're just because these were mind blowing to me. But 621 receptions in his career for 9,286 yards, 92 touchdowns. Yeah. Playoffs run, 98 receptions for 1,389 yards, 15 touchdowns. He is fourth all time in the playoffs in receptions. He is second all time in playoffs in touchdowns. Uh, receptions. So reception. So you think about the only guy he's behind in touchdowns, Jerry Rice, mm-hmm. in the playoffs. Five time Pro Bowler, four time All Pro, four time Super Bowl champ, Lock Hall of Fame. Oh, absolutely, no, no doubt, right? Absolutely. And again, you think about. I all still those think injuries. he's the best tight end to ever play. All those injuries, Ron. Right? If he didn't get hurt as much as he did, his numbers his would numbers have been, through, been the through the roof. The roof. Yeah. And it's a shame because. Like you just said, he, he, I still think him fully healthy his entire career. Right now, Travis Kelsey's numbers are better. But Travis Kelsey's not missed as much time as Rob Gronkowski did in his career. So he was a freak of nature for New England. Yeah. Um, all I ask is this. When he retires and goes to the Hall, it better be a, a New England Patriot because I will lose it. If we are still doing sports unfolded at that point, which I plan on being, I will lose my cool. <laughs> yeah, we'll have our own network by then. I hope so. That'd be awesome. Let's keep with the NFL theme. We're going to do our triple play. And these three coaches are all NFL Hall of Fame candidates. So we decided to have a little fun and decide who we would start, who we would bench, and who we would cut. And those candidates are Dan Reeves, Mike Shanahan, and Mike Holmgren. Uh, I am first this week. So I will start us off, and uh, it, this was a little tougher than I thought it was going to be because I, I, it depends on how you look at it. So I went and started the least tenured head coach, and that was Mike Holmgren. He only had 17 years as an NFL head coach, but he was 161 and 111, a 59% win percentage, 13 and 11 in the playoffs, but three-time conference champion, and he won the Super Bowl one year. I benched Mike Shanahan, 20 years of service as an NFL, 170 and 138, 55% winning percentage, eight and six in the playoffs, but two conference championships with two Super Bowls. I cut Dan Reeves, who coached the longer than both of those guys, 23 years, was 190 and 165 and two. I love the ties, but only a 53% win percentage, 11 and nine in the playoffs. Went to four conference champions. So he was a four-time conference champion, but never won the Super Bowl. The other two guys won the Super Bowl. To me, Mike Holmgren, with that win percentage, I'm going to win almost 60% of my games. I felt like he was the best option to start. Shanahan, next best win percentage. So I went him on my bench. Not bad. Not bad. I try. I try to play. But... but you got, got it wrong. wrong. Okay. All right. Let's see. What do you got? So, first of all, you have to start Shanahan. You have to. Because For the simple two? reason, he won two Super Bowls. And that is how coaches are measured in the NFL. 
Um, the win percentage, yeah, it's a little better for Mike Holmgren. Um, but when you look at the playoffs, they are all two games over 500. Yep. So when it comes playoff time, it doesn't matter which coach you have of the three. They win the same amount. But, but Shanahan won two Super Bowls. So okay. I take Shanahan, I start him, and I put Holmgren on the bench, um, and I cut Dan Reeves. Hard to believe that I Dan cut Reeves. Dan Reeves. So. Yeah, the late great Dan Reeves. Um, I mean, it was it's it's difficult though. You think about it, they were all great coaches. They really were. But I if so, let me ask you this question, and we'll move on. If one of these guys doesn't get in the Hall of Fame, which one do you think it would be? I'm thinking Dan Reeves. Think Dan Reeves, right? So yeah. I think we're kind of both on that same page. Look, the two guys we picked to start and, and bench, strong candidates to make the Hall. Yeah, Dan Reeves is on that fence, and because he didn't win one, yeah, it could it could definitely hurt him. Yeah, could definitely hurt him. I. To be honest, I don't think a coach should be in the Hall of Fame if they haven't won a Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I, I don't think they should. I don't know. Sometimes it's it could be your ownership. It could be look if you win a lot of games though. Let's talk some NBA action, my friend. Damian Lillard, and he's got his. It's Dame time. He's bringing it up. He signed a major extension. With the Portland Trailblazers. Was this a good contract for the team? It's Dame time. He's like, it's Dame time. Look at him. He's ready. He's getting paid. So, okay. So what was the final numbers? So he signed a two-year, $122 million extension, which brings it to 2027. Wait a minute. Two-year how much money? $122 million. So he's getting... Paid $61 million a year? Uh, no, not necessarily. So you're going to love these numbers. Are you ready for this? So keep in mind, Damian Lillard's 32 years old. He played 29 games last season. He's been in the league 10 years, right? Great numbers for Portland. But this season, he's going to make $39 million. Next season, $42 million. 2024, he'll make $45 million. 2025, he makes 48 million. Then the, the extension kicks in. In 2026, he's going to make 58.5 million. And in the final year of the deal, which is a player option, which there's no way he's turning this down, 63.3 percent, uh, three million. So you're going to pay a 37 year old player 63.3 million dollars in the final year. Of the That's terrible. It's it's just such a bad deal, such a bad contract. I don't I don't understand it. I don't I don't get what Portland was thinking. I mean, he's listen. We've we've criticized guys for not being loyal, <coughs> and he's he's the complete opposite of that. He's loyal. Well, Be, what is he going to make? They're going to pay him sixty three point three million in his final year. Thirty seven years old. Wow. How's he gonna even do you realize that is almost the cap of the entire NHL team? Right? Isn't that insane? 
Like some the of those guys, NHL yeah, team is signed. what eighty-five million. Yeah, some of those guys that signed signed for less money than that. These big deals in the NHL. This is yeah. one year. These guys are seven-year contracts at sixty-eight million dollars. Was a big contract. That's just insane, right? I, I just don't understand it. Looks twenty-four point six points per game, four point two rebounds per game, six point six assists for his career. Solid numbers. I don't sixty-three million solid. No, if he was averaging thirty, ten, he's and not going to average that. He's thirty-seven, right? So I don't, I don't get it. Like, and then you got to look at his health. Right, he already missed twenty-nine. He played twenty-nine games last season. Yeah. No, I would have just traded him. <laughs> I would have traded him. And again, in the today's NBA, who knows? Two years down the road, he may say, "You know what? I want to move." Somebody else's problem, but good luck that, trying to move that contract. That's, that's a hefty contract to move. Yeah, sixty-three million. That's tying up some cash. Yeah, it's just somebody's it's paying just a luxury stupid. tax on that. It's just stupid. It really is. That was a dumb contract, especially when you're sitting in a position where you probably don't make the playoffs. Yeah, the West is extremely tough. Like, if you get in, you're going to be the eighth seed. So, I don't, good luck yeah, with that. If that, I mean, because you get 10 teams get in now. Right. So, I mean, that's I what I mean. You're going to get, if uh, you get in, you get, you're going to no. be playing the number one seed. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. If you get in, I think they're in trouble. This contract is going to haunt them. And it's nice to say, hey, he stayed loyal. He's going to stay in the city. But at the same time, you you basically because do you see them? Here. Okay, do you see them beating Golden State? No. Okay, do you see them beating Phoenix? Uh, no. Do you see them beating Dallas or Denver or Minnesota or, or Minnesota? Minnesota. No. no. So yeah, I don't I don't know I don't I don't know if I would have I agree with you I don't know if I would have made that that kind of commitment. At this you had point, him locked up. At this point, they were better off. You know what? We're going to trade them. We're going to trade all our pieces, and we're going to gather all kinds of draft picks, and then let somebody else deal with it. Ron, you had them locked up for the next four years. Why not just I know. see how it played out? Paying him $48 million in 2025. I'm just saying. Better. I'm just saying, you know, at this point, you're better off rebuilding right now. Yeah. Because all those teams are already past rebuilding, and they they've got solid teams. So I'm glad you brought up the Phoenix Suns. So let's talk about the the Phoenix Suns matching the Indiana Pacers uh, offer to Senator DeAndre Ayton. So it was a four-year, $133 million offer. She, uh, Phoenix immediately, I don't even think it went five minutes, matched it. What does this mean for the Suns? What do you think this? That means they can't trade him until January 15th. Yeah. So the Durant so, stuff starts to become in question. That's it. That's it. Durant is not going to Phoenix. Unless yeah, and what Brooklyn keeps no. asking for. Look, I, I really like Aiton. I don't think he gets enough credit for that Phoenix team and what they're able to do. They won sixty four games. Frankly, on. to be honest with you, I don't even know why Phoenix would have any interest in Durant at this point. Because they they've been so close. And they just need a free agent signing yep. away. That's all they really needed. Get, grab one free agent, and then you're, you're there. 
Yep. This solidified them for a while because they, they re-signed Booker. Now you got Aiton. Next four years, look, Chris Paul, maybe a year or two left. So you still got two top-notch guys, two all-stars. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like you have three guys right now. You have three guys. And that should get you deep into the playoffs. It should. And a very okay. good bench. So, so, so what's the problem? So they need somebody that can go in there as a character guy to win. Okay, so you don't guy. even need a top player. You just need the player. A clutch guy, yeah. Somebody you know? that can get it done when it counts in the playoffs. And that that could mean, you know, several things. It could mean a defensive guy. Or it could just be a role player, scrappy guy. Maybe they just need Tice. Oh, Daniel Tice. Oh, Daniel Tice. I mean, he didn't perform in the playoffs either, though. No, that would work. No, he didn't. But no, but, but what I'm saying is like they're, they're, they're really only they're a player close. away. Yeah. You know, like maybe a, um, a Seth Curry away. Yeah. A shooter. Another guy. Yeah. I, listen, I, I don't know what it is, but I, I, and how hard is it to get Seth Curry? Like he got traded with about fifty guys to go, you know. To Brooklyn. I still don't know how Brooklyn didn't win. <laughs> so, on the on the back end of this though, does this? Do you think Kevin Durant just? It's it's almost a guarantee how he stays in Brooklyn. Oh, this water is so good. <laughs> Brooklyn, yes. Yeah, no, like I can't, I can't see, see anybody trading for him. Like I, I don't think it, you're not gonna want to pay up. Bro, I'm seeing some ridiculous trade rumors. But you, but you also like LeBron. Have to worry it was like about... LeBron, Anthony Davis, and like two first round draft picks for Kevin. Dur Listen, if that's what Brooklyn's looking for, you might as well just tell Kevin Durant now. Look, you're sitting at you're either sitting at home. Or you're gonna sit on our Wait, bench. So but not... the Lakers offered them what? <clears throat> no, that's Anthony... not what the Lakers. That's what Brooklyn oh. wants. Oh, oh, yeah. Like Brooklyn's everybody that they've talked. Uh, we talked about it the other day with the yeah. Boston. Yeah. You know they want Tatum. They want you know what I mean. Jalen Tatum and yeah, the Derek White and like and draft picks. Like what are you doing? Yeah. Like it's not gonna happen. Like lower your your bar a little bit. No, they they don't want to trade him. That's the the whole point yeah. of it. That's the whole point. But like, yeah, it's not going to want to fight either. Like, I don't know. I don't, I just it's just don't. not going to happen because the pieces that you have to make fit just won't fit because you want the guy in a deal, but you can't get that guy because you have Ben Simmons. <laughs> but, I mean, at the same time, look, rebuild. Yeah. Just, say, just say, you know what? Hell with it. I'm going to rebuild. And they don't want to do that. They want to get top guys, so they're still competitive. Maybe that's not the way you go right now. Get no, rid of these two guys. Get rid of Kyrie. Get rid of Durant, and just rebuild. No, like I told you, Eric, I would do it the opposite way. I'd just keep them and say, you know what? You're under contract. Tough. Yeah, we know how you feel. Tough. You're under contract. Tough. Play it out. See what happens. Okay. All right. Fair. Fair. Like what? Like what? Who's to say that? Okay, so you trade, you know, Kyrie for another guy. You get that guy in. You you still have Ben Simmons. Don't forget, we don't know, you know, the situation with Ben Simmons. Exactly. That's that's up in the air. Like for all we know, he could be an all star player again. Agreed. 
you know, and, and I don't doubt that, to be honest with you. You don't need him to shoot because you have Durant, okay? So you don't need him to shoot. If you get another shooter in there for Kyrie, you know, why not? Kyrie, go to Utah. Yeah. <laughs> Problem with that is the Jazz know he's not going to stay. He wants to go to L.A. And to me, I'm not trading Westbrook for Kyrie. I just don't think it's a fair deal at this point. No. Major League Baseball, my friend. And there was a firing already in the Major League Baseball. And I, uh, Alex Carr? Mont- huh? No, Alex not Carr? Alex Carr, not yet. Oh, but Charlie Montoya, the Toronto Blue Jays, has been fired. We're going to bring his picture up for you. Do you think the move came a little too early in the season? No. Right before they have a good team. They have a good team. They're they should be playing AL better. They're yeah. third in the AL East. If you look at it from a standpoint, I mean, he's a 500 manager. He's 236, 236 in his three-plus years with the team. Oh, and two in the better. Play. It should be better. Agreed. But then what do you start? So here's some of the issues. They're 6-18 and 18 versus the AL East. Probably doesn't help. They're third in batting average, so they've got the bats. But they're 20th in ERA. It's the pitching staff. They're giving up almost 4.03 runs a game, and they're sixth most – uh, giving up home runs against the opposition. That's not Montoya. That's the pitching coach. Exactly. So if you're getting solid hitting, you're still winning games. They're 47 to 43 when they've uh, currently. The New York Yankees are just on fire. Right? They're 13 games ahead of second place team, the t- uh, Tampa Bay Rays. So, place, so this leads me to time. believe that they they don't play well in another division because they have, they're beating up on the Red Sox still. They have a winning record against every other division except for the AL East, and they're two games under 500. Yes. Yeah, so, so again, but you think about the teams in the AL East: Tampa, Boston, New York, Baltimore. Now, yeah, but they're, they're all Boston. They're all 500 or above. So you're playing the best division in baseball. You're in third place. I, I just felt like this firing, I would have liked to see this play out the rest of the season first. And you're in the playoffs right now. Like, I don't know what you're gaining from it. Well, look, you know, I mean, this team should be in first place, to be honest with you. Like, on paper, I felt that they were better than the Yankees because of the pitching. Yeah. And the pitching has actually failed Toronto. So, I mean, there's that. You know, um, that pitching staff, that's, that starting rotation should be a lot better than what it is. Agreed. And, yes, it might be because of, you know, the pitching coach. But, ultimately, it falls upon the manager to, to right the ship. And if he's not complaining about the pitching coach, then it's the manager's fault. I don't know. I don't know, my friend. I think they're going to regret this. See, see, we I have that. a different gripe with the Red Sox. Yeah. <laughs> but look at look at Philadelphia fired Girardi, right? They yeah. start off, they win like seven straight, and now look, they're back down to earth. Like yeah. it doesn't change too much when you do it midseason or no. during the course of the season. And I think yeah. what you said, they have enough talent right now. They they would make the playoffs. Yeah. And you know that's the talent that they had. They're gonna make. They should make the playoffs. I mean, yeah. 
When you really think about it, um, Tampa Bay is the only one overachieving. With all the injuries. Yep. You know, even still, like. Baltimore. Baltimore's a game and a half out of the wild card right now. Yeah, I know. And they're going to probably pass the Red Sox this weekend. Who expected that? That is insane. Insane. Face off, my friend. We're going to continue with this Major League Baseball theme. Oh, yeah. And should the Major League Baseball commissioner be able to add players to the Major League Baseball All-Star game? And I am first this week, and I'm glad because I this is my gripe. And I never thought in a million years. Wait, did would, he add somebody? He's added two players. He's added Albert Pujols and Miguel Cabrera. Okay. Okay? National League, American League. And I'm against this. I'm going to tell you why I'm against this. If you want to do a ceremony to honor them, have them both come out, give them, uh, you know, some kind of jersey. So I would have been okay with that. But you put them in a game, you take them away from a player that probably is deserving, may not have another chance. Who knows how many years, how many times that individual has an opportunity. Pujols is batting 214 with six home runs and 20 RBIs. Miguel Cabrera, 290, good batting average, but three home runs, 34 RBIs. You can't tell me there's not two other guys that were more well-deserving, but because they've been in the league so long and it's their last year, let's give them a hurrah. Why not just do a ceremony? Why take the, a position away from a guy that could actually play and deserves to play? I think the commissioner shouldn't have any right to do this. If he wants to do a ceremony, I would have been okay with that. Walk him out there. Everybody could cheer for them. Great job. Thank you. You want to play in a home run derby? Pool host is doing that. I would have been fine with that. But he shouldn't be in the all-star game. He is not an all-star. At two batting 214 with six home runs and 20 RBIs. That's an all-star in Major League Baseball. It's a joke. It was an absolute joke. Should have never happened. I'm okay, so as far as I know, um, they are added to the list of players. It does not take a spot away. It doesn't matter. They shouldn't even be there. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I don't see anything wrong with that in players that are ending their careers and that have been a perennial all-star their basically their entire career. And, you know, yes, I get you're having a down year and I get that. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with just adding the guys because I'll tell you what, there's going to be a couple of guys that can't even play in the all-star game because of, you know, pitching a couple of days before oh, yeah. and stuff yeah. like that. So, yeah. so there's nothing wrong with adding a couple of guys okay. that just hang around, may or may not even get into the game. Was David Price an all-star? Should That's we a, add David Price because he, he was an all-star and he had good numbers back in the day? Like, where do you where do you draw the line now? Uh, well, 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 maybe it depends on the year he was. He could have been an all-star game. See? So, to me, don't even do this. That was have my David. Ceremony. That was my David Price impression. That was very good, though. I almost, I literally almost said we're interviewing David Price. I was, I was about to say, "Welcome, David Price." This was unfolded, but then I saw the. No, screen. but I mean, like, look, I mean, you're talking about two Hall of Famers. I mean, let's be honest; they're Hall of Famers. Agreed. And, and I don't see, I don't see anything wrong with it if they're not taking a spot away. If they're not taking a spot away, then there should be no problem with just adding a guy that's in his last year that 
is a perennial all-star now. Now, you know, I'm not going to do it for, you know, like a Brock Holt, you know, <coughs> who made an all-star game once as a utility player. Why not? You know, but, you know, it's you don't do it for that. You don't do it for that. You do it for special players. And that's that, you know. It's a joke. You know, do you do it for a guy like Mike Mussina? You do it for a guy, you know, like a Ronnie? You know, you do it for a guy like a Yogi Berra? Yeah, look, he's just trying to name former Yankees. So, no, you have a ceremony and you let them go on their merry way. Wait, didn't they do that for Tom Seaver? I don't know. Did they? I think they did. I think they did. It's It's a scam to fool the public. Make them want to buy tickets to watch the game. It's not. It's just, you know. People want to watch because Pujols and Cabrera are their last one. Like, this is all just for publicity. This isn't because they're deserving of it. It would have been more impressive if Pujols was batting 280 and had 25 uh, home runs. And you go, wow, like, okay, like his last year. How great is this? Not, oh, well, we're going to put him in just because he's been an all-star. He wasn't an all-star last year either. Thank you. Clearly won that. You didn't win. I clearly won that. No, you you, you had no argument. You Yogi Berra, you want to throw out that. What is that? Let's talk some tennis, my friend. Something else nope. you don't know anything about. Novak Djokovic <laughs> won his 21st. We're going to bring these two gentlemen up on the screen. Uh, won their, his 21st major, right, with his, his victory at Wimbledon. He's one shy of Rafael Nadal who has 22. How would you rank the two of these tennis players currently versus some of the all-timers? And, and who do you think would actually you put ahead of, would you still put Nadal ahead of D- Djokovic because of the extra major? Uh, Yeah, right now, sure. You know, I, Sam, I don't I know. I, I just think, I just think, you know, you have, you know, three guys that have dominated tennis for Federer, who's, who's, yeah. who's number three now. Like the, the but here's, it's here's so my bad. problem. It's so here's, bad. Here's my problem. You want to know my problem? To me, Djokovic is a better all-around tennis player. He's won nine Australian Opens, two French Opens, seven Wimbledon, and three U.S. Opens. Nadal. Two Australian Opens, 14 French Open. Yeah, I know. Two Wimbledon, two U.S. Opens. He's dominated one particular major, yeah. and that's it. Whereas yeah, Djokovic yeah. has kind of been able to do it in every one of them. I feel like the numbers are skewed. Do it's, you have Do you have Federer's? Um, Federer's six Australian Opens, one French Open, eight Wimbledon, five U.S. Opens. I like those numbers. Right? So it's kind of more balanced. Djokovic, more balanced. You've got one major. How many did Djokovic win in the French Open? You said two, right? Two. Because Nadal beat him in the French Open. That's the one he could beat him in. He can't beat him at Wimbledon. He can't beat him in in the Australian Open. So, I I don't know. I think I put actually, I'd actually lean towards Federer, to be honest with you. Federer was great. Federer was phenomenal as well. One French Open, though. I don't, whatever I know. Nadal figured out, these other two greats the, couldn't. The reason for it, because I think Federer played in a time where there were 
like the the men's tennis was was a lot more balanced you know like now it's just you know you have three guys and that's it you know and it's soon to be you know two guys you know because Federer's probably got maybe one more year in him so you know but like Federer had to take it from you know Pete Sampras basically and Sampras was and Sampras Sampras was was on this list great I know Sampras was great he had 14 majors and he's one of the best of all time never won the French Open though seven Wimbledon tied tied for Djokovic for second he couldn't win on the clay he couldn't win on the clay yeah kind of crazy Five U.S. Opens too, so pretty impressive. And, and that is because of the he's his game is a serve, you know. Sampras is the service yeah. game, and you know, um, so he wasn't fleet of foot. Yeah, you know, so he couldn't. He didn't have the movement back and forth like big players do now, because yeah. um, it was more of a power game. But you know, back then. It was like I think men's tennis was so well balanced. There were so many players that were good, as opposed to great. Yeah, well, you got two guys that dominate right now, right? Which was kind of disappointing that Nadal had to uh, bow out in the in Wimbledon. Yeah, but we got a great match though. No, we did, we did. Yeah, Curious uh, did a great job, and it was a great match. But it would have been nice that kind of, you know, those, those self, two. Those two are linked drugs. now. Those two yeah. are linked, probably for, you know for for years to come in tennis history. So. I think of I think of if he didn't self destruct all the time, he probably would have been one of the best. Curious that is. Yeah. No. And I listen. I, he may learn some stuff and. You know, Djokovic said some really good words about him afterwards. And, and you know, he got in his head. You could see it. He got in his own head. It wasn't anything but himself. Yeah. If he can learn to channel that in a different way, look, he's 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 got a game. He needs to talk to John McEnroe. Yeah, who, who had the same problem, right? Until he figured out how to, you know, channel it in a different direction. Yeah, because, like, when, when Mac did it, it was it – was, distracting to the other player and i don't i it's no different than what you know what curios kind of does but curios puts on a spectacle like <coughs> talking to himself mostly yeah. yeah he starts to beat himself up or talk to himself yeah and you know McEnroe always portrayed it put it on you know the judge or put it yeah. on you know somebody else yeah and it got into everybody else's head you know, John McEnroe knew what he was doing. And he was a great tennis player himself, but, you know, that made him, you know, win the mind games all the time. So if he t- if he knows how to harness it, look out. But the yeah. problem is he's already at the age where he's only got, you know, maybe yeah. three, four more years left. Yep. To be so, dominant, yes. And, and yeah. you think about some these guys. That's like, sir, Djokovic, with this unvaccinated thing and what where he can play and what tournaments could affect him, and Nadal, we've seen the injuries now. So you, yeah. you, tennis is looking for a guy to take over. Yeah, 
So yeah. hopefully we'll we'll see something out of that. It's uh it's time for your uh, my hockey guru to talk some NHL and uh, we did an NHL free agent frenzy the other day and we talked about a lot of guys. Uh, we're not at we could we'll start off with Johnny Goudreau. Johnny Goudreau, huh? A little different there, different jersey, my friend. Yeah. Signed with the Columbus Blue Jackets, seven years, sixty six point five million. Deal. We just talked about what Dame's making one year. This is the whole deal. 28 years old, and you think about the season he had. Does this put Columbus in contention for at least the playoffs now? I mean, they can make a run now, but, you know, they have to be able to keep Patrick Line, or it doesn't matter. I mean, as simple as that. If you don't keep Patrick Line, then it really doesn't matter that you sign Johnny Gujo because you don't have the horses to make the playoffs. And, but with those two, that gives you some horses that, you know, you can have a good power play. You can have a great five-on-five five because Johnny Gujo is probably the best five-on-five five player in the league. And that's not – that he had 90 points five-on-five hockey 90 that's insane yeah no it is insane. 40 goals 75 assists and plus 64 yeah. last season yep columbus 37 38 and 7 last season two spots out of the wild card right and i so said they, they i remember weren't... i remember talking about the playoffs and i said all but three teams in the west would be fine if Columbus was in the other division, in the other conference, yeah, they would have came in. fourth. And it might have actually been higher than that because of, you know, then you switch the games around. But they had a harder schedule than the, the, the Western yeah. Conference, you know. And so they are a good team, you know. But adding Goudreau, if you take away Line, it really – it doesn't do much for their their playoff chase because you still have to beat Washington. You still wouldn't be able to. You still have to beat Carolina and New York and Pittsburgh. You're not going to. With Line A, you can probably contend with with um, some of these guys and some of these teams rather and sneak in there. Like you can you can catch up with Washington. You know, and possibly Pittsburgh. I don't so, think Rangers in Carolina, but so you talk about bona fide star. He now becomes the top goal scorer on that team. So last year, Oliver Bjorkstrand, yeah, twenty-eight goals, and then Jacob, A good player, Voracek, yep, fifty-six assists. Yeah, those were the team leaders. He's already surpassed that. So you think about what he can bring to this team. Oh, absolutely. It was a great signing. And I know there was a couple other teams, and you talked about it. The Islanders were a possibility. New Jersey was a possibility. And he ultimately chose Columbus. So it's going to be interesting to see if he re if he regrets that or not. Yeah. Well, I mean, they must have said that they were going to make sure that they retain line A. I, I mean, he is a restricted free agent. So there's a good possibility that his contract <laughs> was big. So... Um, so if they can do that, then you put, then you put Goudreau with line a, 
And it's like he has Kachuk out there, you know. So I, I think then they'll have two good lines, you know, because then you can put anybody on that wing pretty much and, and they'll be okay, yeah. you know. So they can contend. They can, they can, they could possibly pass Washington because the goaltending is going to be a little better because they have Elvis, right? Yeah. So what about as long as Elvis Nashville? is in the building? Always, which great segue to the Nashville Predators. Uh, so they re-signed uh, Philip Philippe Forsberg, eight years, yeah. sixty-eight million dollar extension. What do you think of this move? I so, well, they had to. They had to re-sign him. He is he, he is their their best player. And fourth all time in the Preds history uh, for yeah, points. Already. So he's been there ten years. Ten years, two hundred twenty goals. 249 assists, a plus 30 in his career, all with the Nashville Predators. Like, that's yeah. – it was nice yeah. to see. It's almost similar to the Portland thing. Let's keep our guy. Let's yeah. keep our homegrown guy. And uh, Yeah, but they didn't high, pay for him. Yeah, but you know what? He's the face. Career high, 42 goals last season. He was second in goals uh, for, the, for the season last year. Finished fifth in the Central Division, 45, 30, and 7. Obviously lost to the Avs uh, 4-0 in the first round of the playoffs. What do they need to do with this signing out to get past, you know, Colorado? What would what would be the, the moves Nashville has to do? Is there something Nashville should be doing? Um, get three more scorers. <laughs> that's all? <laughs> all right. I, I, I mean, truthfully, that's what they need to do to compete with Colorado. I mean yeah. – you know, you're talking, okay, so you you put Forsberg in there and you have Yossi, all right? Yep. So, okay, so you can match one line. What about the other three? <laughs> so let me ask you I, this. what it comes down to, I mean. And I know we, I know we didn't discuss this um, earlier before, but I want to, Kadri, any word, any, any rumors out there that you've heard? He's taking his time, you know. He wants to make the right decision for his family. Um, and I think the longer it goes, the more time Colorado has to figure out salaries and move things around and see if they can fit him in. And, and I think, and I think that could be why he's taking longer because I think he really feels like he wants to stay in Colorado. Um, but he just needs to have a reason, you know, and he can't take, you know, half salary to stay so i think he's just giving them more time to figure it out and when they exhaust all avenues then he'll make a decision i think that's i think that's what's being the hold up here because kadri just i don't think kadri really wants to move anywhere else because look he found the place where he fit in you know despite all his troubles in the past but he hasn't had those troubles this year with Colorado. Yeah. So with Colorado. And I think he knows it's better for him in that atmosphere. And, and I think that's, I think that's where he wants to be. Almost, it's just that they got to try to make it fit. It, not very similar, right? Evander Kane with the, with the Oilers, right? Like he just yeah. fit there better yeah. and somehow was, he kept himself out of trouble and in, in the success he had in the playoffs. So yeah, it makes, it makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, thank you for that insight. I was just curious. Uh, pick and roll time, my friend. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, 
Great. Wait. We need to we need to talk. Okay. Need to what do talk. we need to talk about? Um well I just want to give like a little update to the to the signings. Okay. Nothing nothing major. Um but you're looking at um Martin Jones kind in Seattle for a goaltender. So that's a good signing. Riley Smith signed in Vegas because Max Pacioretty was traded to Carolina. So all those losses that Carolina happened, it doesn't matter because they yeah. just went out and got Burns and Pacioretty and that took care of everything. So they just put one giant band-aid over Carolina's wound and they're going to have a better team. Because <laughs> now they'll be able to score. Yeah, oh boy. Um, uh, Calgary did resign, uh, did sign uh, Zadorov, um and old friend Kasha. Bruins, who had him and was hurt every year. Um, he signed in Carolina. And uh, Washington signed Dylan Strome so, and Marcus Johansson. But there are still free agents out there that are really, really good players. Um, obviously, Kadri is the top guy. But Bergeron is still out there. As long as that hasn't, that hasn't put ink on the paper... Even though they're saying he's signed, yeah, but it hasn't. I think Bergeron to your point, that he hasn't signed yet. Yeah, uh, but I also think that to your point, they got to free up the money to make sure yeah. that that all but comes. But there's together. still John Klingberg out there, top defenseman, and he hasn't signed yet. And I mean, there's there's so many places that he can go, like that would help them win a cup. You know, and Dallas is trying everything to keep him. So, but um, Ryan Donato, Nate Thompson, uh, Joe Thornton, wow. Anton Reed, <coughs> Riley Nash, Sedano Chara are all former Bruins that are still free agents. Um, and, you know, Matt Kachuk and and uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois still haven't signed. Those are good free agents as well, even though they're restricted. But it might be worth giving up some picks for them. And uh, Studnika and Pavel Zaka, who they just got in a trade, yeah. still are unsigned. Um, and do you remember when they traded for for their mighty defensemen that they said they were going to carry them through the playoffs for Anaheim, from Anaheim? Okay. Yeah. Um, they traded Erho Vakaninen, the defenseman that played pretty well for the Bruins. Yeah. Well, he's still a restricted, restricted free agent as well. Just saying. Just saying. We'll have to see. We'll have to see, my friend. We'll, we'll show. We'll be doing an NHL uh, another show uh, next week because there'll there'll be a lot more moves coming. But it is pick and roll time. Yes, it is. Thank you for your. Uh, that insight. Yeah, I had to give the update, you know, yep, appreciate fill it. it all in. So we're going to rank, seeing it's uh, episode 28, Tension and Extensions, we are going to rank these number 28 great NFL players. And they are Adrian Peterson, Daryl Green, Marshall Folk, Chris Johnson, Curtis Martin, and Darren Woodson. Good all number group. 28s. Very good group. So I am first this week. I will start us off. I thought six was pretty easy for me. Chris Johnson, good numbers, 9,651 yards, 
55 touchdowns, 307 receptions, 2,255 yards, nine touchdowns, three Pro Bowls, one All-Pro. 09 was AP uh, Offensive Player of the Year. <clears throat> so solid numbers, nothing, nothing that blew your mind away. But then at number five, it went Darren Woodson. 23 interceptions, 271 yards, two touchdowns, 967 tackles, 12 forced fumbles, five Pro Bowls, three All-Pros, three Super Bowl champions. Daryl Green at number four, and I, this is my Tecmo days coming out because when he was Tecmo, he was dominant, Daryl Green. But 54 interceptions, so you think about that, 621 yards, six touchdowns. 1,202 tackles, five forced fumbles, 131 yards, two touchdowns on fumbles, seven-time Pro Bowler, one-time All-Pro, two-time Super Bowl champ. But these three guys, I mean, just some of their numbers, unreal. At number three, Curtis Martin, 14,101 yards rushing, 90 touchdowns, 484 receptions, 3,000. 329 receiving yards, 10 touchdowns receiving, five Pro Bowls, one All-Pro, sixth all-time in the NFL in rushing. Sixth all-time. At number two, Adrian Peterson, 14,918 rushing yards, 120 touchdowns, 305 receptions, 2,474 Receiving yards with six touchdowns, seven-time Pro Bowler, four-time All-Pro, two-time AP Player of the Year, fifth all-time rushing. So just ahead of Curtis Martin, gave him the nod there. But this man changed <clears throat> football at the running back position. That's Marshall Falk. 12,279 yards rushing, 100 touchdowns, 767 receptions, 6,875 yards, 36 touchdowns. That's a running back. Seven-time Pro Bowler, three-time All-Pro, 2000 AP, AP MVP, three-time AP Offensive Player of the Year, and a one-time Super Bowl champion. But you think about what the running back position is now, this man clearly was the reason why it's changed the way it has. And the, now you have receiving running backs as well because of what they did with Marshall Falk. So he had to be number one. What a horrible list you have. You only got two right. Number oh, one and six. Let's see it. Let's see this garbage you put Number out. six, Chris Johnson. He clearly is no match for everybody on this okay. list. Agreed. Clearly. Yep. Number five. Yeah. Yeah. I get that he's number six all time in rushing. Yeah, but you you on this list, on this list. It's all championships right there. On this. Yep. Go ahead. On this list, he is not better than the other four guys. He's not okay. better. He's yeah, not. Correct. Well, yeah, fourteen thousand yards rushing. He's the other three running backs have to be ahead of him for one. Okay. Which and then I the other two guys two. that are in question are still better than him. Okay. Go ahead. So at number five, Curtis Martin, of course. I mean, his numbers were great, but he doesn't win anything. Number four, Adrian Peterson. You're off your rocker. I great numbers, great numbers. Yeah. But again, how many Super Bowls does he have? None. 
So he I'm doesn't sure get number it. 28 that won zero anything, but because he won a championship, doesn't matter. That numbers are phenomenal. He's fifth all time rushing. I don't care. <clears throat> of course, that don't mean nothing. I don't care because crappy the career. other guys are better. Crappy career because he didn't win a Super Bowl. Go ahead. He's not a crappy career. It's just that the, the other, other guys, guys are better. Are better. Okay, Darren Woodson's better than Adrian Peterson. Go ahead. Absolutely. Oh, uh, yeah, because he won three championships. Number three, Darren Woodson. Okay. How many tackles does he have? 1,350 tackles? That's a lot of tackles. Not to mention the 23 interceptions, the 11 forced uh, fumble, I mean, the 17 forced fumbles and 11 fumble recoveries, 11 sacks, four-time All-Pro, five-time Pro Bowl, three Super Bowls, three Super Bowls largely because of him. Adrian Peterson, more All-Pros, more Pro Bowls. Okay. I don't – it doesn't matter, Eric. Okay. I okay. mean – Defense wins Super Bowls. Defense okay. wins. Okay. Okay. Got and it. he was big parts of those Super Bowl wins. Okay. Number two, <laughs> Daryl Green. And I at first was going to put Darren Woodson ahead of him. And then I looked at the numbers to go along with that. And I'm like, wow. You know. The tackles, 54 interceptions, 54. That is insane. <coughs> he has the record for interceptions, at least one interception in a season for 19 straight years. Phenomenal. I told you, Tecmo. Welcome. Six touchdowns, two Super Bowls, four All-Pros, seven Pro Bowls. I got one All-Pro. Yeah. One All-Pro, seven Pro Bowls. Yeah, whatever. That's close. Doesn't matter. Okay. Like but those God. interceptions, and yeah. you know, it was just too good. And of course, number one is Marshall Falk, who is clearly above all these players, above all of them. Only one championship, man. <laughs> he only he, but he won one. <laughs> okay, I hear you. You know, and he won one. You know, so thousand more yards for Adrian Peterson, twenty more touchdowns, but I hear you. Okay, Adrian Peterson played a lot longer. And to be honest, Adrian Peterson played for a team without a quarterback, really, for most of the time. So you're blaming him for that? That's his fault? No. No. So there you go. So how do you factor no, that so in that he didn't he win a championship? Was, he was the guy. Exactly. He was the guy is what I'm saying, you know? So and it's like You can't fault him for not winning a championship. Because why can't I? The other team, the, the rest of his team sucked. He was the best guy on the team. He had chances. He, put up the numbers. he, he had Favre. <clears throat> he had Favre in his – Favre should have been I don't care. at home. I don't care. You can't count that. You know, you can okay. count that. Yeah, I'll show. All right. I'm just saying, the numbers are there if you don't win a championship. And like I said, you know, yeah, like there are players home. that win championships, but they didn't have Curtis a big Martin, part of that. Fifth. Curtis Martin, fifth. Yes, on this list, yes. Because the other guys were more Patriots who weren't very good in the Jets, who weren't very good, and still put up 14,000 yards. But I hear you. It's his fault he didn't win a championship. Part of it. It is not his fault. 
It's part of it. It is not. It clearly, you don't know what you're talking about right now. No, I clearly do because I value the guys that win. That's it, though. That's what I'm saying. I'll get you another 28 that stinks. If Chris Johnson had a Super Bowl, he'd be ahead of Curtis Martin. No, to you. no he wouldn't because it was just clearly not as good. Because he won one. All right. It's prediction you no time. Clue. You have no yeah, clue. It's prediction time. No clue. You're getting worse with these pick and rolls. Prediction no, time. No, I'm not. I, I'm always we, right. We stayed the same, my friend. We tied last week. Uh, we'll bring up those numbers real quick. Uh, yeah, but if you'd like it, to get in It on went this, down to the WNBA and um, what was the other one? MLS. Oh, the women's uh, tennis? Yes, I think so. Yeah, we flip-flopped or something. If you want so, to bring the, the chart up, sir. Yeah, well, you know, doesn't I mean, matter. I mean, after the pick and roll, I mean, I mean, but as you can clearly see, I'm still on top. Another week. We've got, uh, <laughs> I just want to see it. I want to see it, Ron. Since I'm always wrong at everything, but somehow I'm still winning. I just jinxed myself, by the way. But if you'd like to get on this list when you're watching live, chime in with what teams you'd want to pick and we'll throw your name in there. So we definitely looking to get They're more names. They're just afraid. Right. They're afraid. That's what it comes down to. They're afraid. They're afraid. I agree. I they agree. So they want. They don't want their name up there and have you know us ahead of them. Yeah. Showing how great we are. All right. So we're going to start off seven fifteen. We got the Boston Red Sox at the New York Yankees, a three game set right before the All Star break. Uh, Yankees have lost four or five. Um, split the last time with Boston. And okay. I feel like right now the Yankees are, are starting to slide a little bit. Severino now on the 15-day IL. I'm going Boston on this one. You know, it's funny. I knew you were going to do that because the Yankees lost two of three to Cincinnati. Exactly. Yet, wait, wait. But still picked up a game and a half on the Red Sox. <laughs> okay. But let me ask you this. What's been the one key to, to the New York Yankees? Their bullpen. What is the last four out of five games has failed them? The bullpen. They're I'm starting saying, to come back down to earth. I'm just saying, <clears throat> you lost two of three and still picked up a game and a half okay. on the Red Sox. That's fine. It doesn't mean Boston doesn't play well against New York and wins two out of three. Okay, so I'm taking New York. Clearly, I know what I'm talking about. Okay. All right, my friend. Seven fifteen, Baltimore Orioles at the Tampa Bay Rays. Three-game set. Oh, I'm going Baltimore. Baltimore is just playing better baseball. The Tampa Bay Rays just got the four-game winning streak going against the Red Sox. So that's not competition. So they're going to find out what it's like. Tampa Bay Rays, four-game winning streak. They are still second in this division. They're not going to give it up to Baltimore. I picked Tampa Bay. I knew you would. That's where it all gets brought back right now. 7-17, the Las Vegas Aces at the Connecticut Sun. Connecticut's my local team. I want to root for them, but Vegas has played so well recently, and they're 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 playing very good basketball. I'm going Vegas. Yeah, Vegas just uh, destroyed somebody recently. Yeah, they, too. Won, they scored over 100 points. And... Yeah, I, I'm going the Aces as well. 720. You got Seattle Storm at the Chicago Sky. Another W WNBA action. What do you got? I'm going to go Sky. Sky is the limit. Sky is the limit. 
I also went Sky. I just, again, defending champions. I think they're starting to play better basketball now. 717, we got the New York Red Bulls at the New York City Football Club, and that's MLS action. Um, I'm starting to really agree with you on the Red Bulls. I don't like the name. So I went football club because it's just a little better. I absolutely agree. Um, I went New York City as well. They're home. I think that makes a difference. Little uh, summer league action, NBA summer league. We got Oklahoma City uh, at uh, versus the Golden State Warriors. Well, I got to assume, and you should never do that, by the way. Because you know what they say when you're so bad. Right. Um, that OKC has a lot better younger players. <laughs> So I'm going to go OKC. Okay. I'm going Golden State Warriors. They got Kaminga. They got some guys that have been already playoff tested playing. So I'm going Golden State on that. So if you're interested in following us, check out the ticker that's been on there. It tells you all the different ways you can follow us. If you're watching us on SEC TV, Public Access Channel 12, Tuesday nights, check us out Fridays, 6 p.m. on those formats to be able to, to join us live. Um, so we are going to do our final thoughts. Because that was... No so, final thoughts. You get one. <laughs> our final thought doesn't necessarily have to be about anything going on in the world today. It could be about anything, uh, anything in not just sports. It could be about anything going on in the world today. Um, I am first this week. So my final thought is on Tiger Woods. So Tiger Woods struggled in the British Open, uh, plus nine in the two rounds, didn't make the cut. Uh, basically, as he walked off the 18th, shed some tears, realizing that by the time the next one comes around in St. Andrews, he's he's probably not going to be healthy enough to participate or play in that tournament. I But I also want to start to realize that I think people need to understand that he's never going to be the same golfer that he once was. The fact that he's able to get on a golf course and perform we should just enjoy that because I don't think we're ever going to see the Tiger Woods lead a tournament or win a tournament. I, I don't think he's going to ever be that golfer again. Just too much has happened to him physically. Mentally, he's still there, but physically, he's just not. And we need to appreciate what he was, what he meant to golf for these last, what, since 95? He's been, you know, a staple of golf. It's time for us to really start to look at some of these other guys. Scheffler, he's been the number one golfer, and he said it. Nobody seems to even realize he's the number one golfer because they just the only time the golf world seems to pay attention right now is when Tiger Woods is playing, and he's not Tiger Woods anymore. So just appreciate what we had. Understand he's not going to be the same golfer, and we need to start to move on. It happens with all our athletes. We're just at that point with Tiger Woods now. And that's my final thought. Very nice. Very nicely said, too, because it, it happens like that in like a lot of sports. So um, my final thought is could get ugly. Oh, geez. There we go. FCC. Man. Okay. So, so I've been watching the Red Sox because frankly, they're, they're, all the other sports are, are done, you know, and it's kind of boring you know, so I'm kind of forced to watch the Red Sox. And, you know, losing a bunch of games is one thing. 
But when you paying a guy, whatever, 20 million, I don't know what he's getting paid anymore because the numbers are just ridiculous in, in major league baseball. But when you pay a guy 20 million a year, and you go through the season and he puts up good numbers and everything and you decide to give him a day off then you squander a lead the way the red sox did and then you get a guy on base in the ninth inning you're down by a run you, you put a guy on first base there's two outs and franchi cordero comes to the plate who's batting 225 and just struck out six of his last eight at-bats. You have J.D. Martinez on the bench, who, by the way, does play right field, (laughs) (coughs) where Franchi Cordero is playing. You have a lefty on the mound. Franchi is a left-handed hitter. And you decide not to pinch hit with J.D. Martinez because you want to give him a day off. He's making $20 million a year to put some numbers up. This is the situation where you're paying him to hit. This is the situation. This is what you ask for the player, J.D. Martinez, to do. And you don't give him the opportunity to do it. So what do they do? They keep Franchi Cordero in. Thank you, Alex Cora. And what does he do? Oh, big surprise. They lose again. Big surprise. Thank you, Alex. That goes into your little line in the check area as another loss that you made. Just like the one last night where... You got a guy that obviously hurt himself on the mound and you don't take him out and you let him give up more runs. More runs from the moron. Thank you, Alex Cora. Apparently, you can only win games when you steal signs. That's my final thought. So if you want more Ron, more Ron, see, just continue to follow us each week you like what i did there um and just a quick side note uh top of the first boston's up two nothing guy on second big deal Uh, i told you they'll blow it six yankees are falling apart yankees are falling apart (laughs) six inning watch i want to continue to thank you each week for joining me thank you for bearing with me um while i'm getting over my my little cold here covid (laughs) bank shop baby uh, but we will be back next Friday. Um, next week, we'll definitely do a uh, NHL, trying to get Kenny on for an NBA, some NBA uh, talk as well. Uh, and continue to follow us on all our social medias. Major League Baseball rankings will be out every Tuesday. Uh, I expect some changes. I don't think New York's going to be at, uh, in first place after the, uh, this week they've had. So we'll have to see if that changes as well. Ron, thank you as always, my friend. And as we always ask for in this world, let's just have some peace. Have a good night, everybody.